Welcome to Courageous Parenting Podcast, a weekly show to equip parents with biblical truth on raising confident Christian kids in an uncertain world. Hi, I'm Angie from Courageous Mom. And I'm Isaac from Resolute Man. We've been married for 21 years and have seen the fruit from raising our eight kids biblically based on the raw truth found in the Bible. We can no longer let the culture win the hearts of children. Too many children from Christian families are walking away from their faith by age 18. And it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Join us as we start an important conversation about effective parenting in the following world. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We're so glad you're here. Now, I don't have Angie with me today. She needed a little break, but we have a special guest, which is rare because this isn't a guest show. It's usually Angie and I doing our thing, but every once in a while, when there's a worthy person with a worthy cause, we make an exception, bring them on. And Andrew Yeganizer? Yegnazar. Yegnazar. Yeah, I just met him, by the way. That's why I can be okay with that right now. We literally met yesterday. Yesterday, day before, yeah. Day before, yeah. Out there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so our- The goat heads. Yeah, the goat heads. That's right. You came down. They came down on ATV while me and the kids were getting rid of goat heads. If you know about goat heads, you know what I was dealing with. It's horrible. But anyways, uh, yeah, we briefly met then. And then our your friends and our new friends, our new friends, our, our new neighbors- Yeah were baptizing their son in the river right. and we came down yeah. and had some fun together. So anyways, uh, Andrew's here because he's just got an incredible story. Uh, and maybe we could start you just sharing a little bit about your background. Sure. Well, it's just, it's great to be with you and to, uh, to get to speak to, to some of your friends out there. Yeah. And just to share some stories. Um, my name's Andrew and, uh, my wife's name is Laura. Um, I personally grew up and was born in Iran um, and uh, have lived in a number of different countries, the Philippines. Uh, my mom is English from India. My dad is Armenian from Iran. And uh, those, so those of you who are not sure where that is, we can go to the you can go to Google and, and figure yeah. that out. Um, but um, the uh, born in Iran and then moved to Lebanon and uh, and since then have lived in, in a number of countries. But about 26 years ago, came to the States, and I'm a very proud American. Uh, I have, uh, when, when I became an American citizen, my wife actually arranged for our local congressman to fly the flag over the Capitol awesome. in D.C. So they flew the flag. I've got that in my office. It's always been whatever office I've been in. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of the background. Uh, my wife grew up all over Africa. Yeah. Uh, she's from Italy. And uh, so we're kind of an international family, very much so. But you had an interesting childhood. I mean, just a little bit I heard because, yeah. you know, your formative years, you're in Iran and then you're in Lebanon while there's a war going on. So that Lebanon was really the what formed me. Yeah. Growing up in a war torn country. Um, and uh, I remember going to school sometimes, sometimes not going to school for like four or five months. And then sometimes you go to school and the friends were not there the next day. Um and so you grew up quickly because you never knew if tomorrow would come. A lot of the folks in my parents' family were like, why are you living in Lebanon? It's a danger zone. And I always remember my mom and dad saying, it's always safest to be in God's will. doesn't matter where you are. Mm -hmm. It could be total turbulence and calamity going on around you. But uh, if you're in God's will, you'll actually feel his peace. And so that to me, I, I grew up in Lebanon uh, and I saw what it was like to be affected by war. My collection, my toys, I remember climbing on, you know, Humvees and personnel carriers. There was a time when we had 
three chieftain tanks and a couple of jeeps with air wire guided missiles in our backyard. Uh, and so that was kind of, you know, that was just what we grew up in collected, you know, for toys, we collected shrapnel bullets and all kinds of stuff. So it's a different upbringing. Yeah. And nowadays we live here. We don't want our kids playing tag because they might get hurt. Right. right? And right. so it's a, the world has changed. Yeah. You're like, wow, people are a little soft in their parents. <laughs> like that's okay. Just rub some dirt. In but there. you're talking to courageous parents here. Yeah. So they're, exactly. they're, they're, this is a there different, this is different crowd. You okay. love these people. So, you so, and Andrew's coming on because he's part, he's on the board of an organization, elam.com. You can look it up, elam.com. But there's so much going on in the world right now. The church in Iran is spreading like you wouldn't believe the Christian church. It is unbelievable. And they're not allowed to exist. It's literally an underground church. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about, you know, what's happening in Afghanistan. He's got, uh, a, you know, a bird's eye view into some of those things. And I just thought this was fascinating because you see what's happening in the news and, you know, Christians are being persecuted at greater levels than ever out there. But at the same time, God's church is also growing at an accelerated rate, yeah. especially in these war-torn areas and in, in these uh, areas where they're persecuted. Yeah. It's wild. It so here. This is where um, our pastor, you know, sometimes says that we live here in the states. We live in a the Disneyland of the Christian world, mm -hmm. in a sense. And I'm from California, and so we can re relate to that. Um, what we've seen happen in Iran, and we'll share a little bit about that now, is um, what's going on there. What's happened there since '79 in the last 40 years, and now what we see transpiring in Afghanistan, very, very sadly, um, we see, you know, people who are helpless. We see people being harassed, tortured. And while we see all of that, the question is, is there another side to what, is there another purpose that God can bring something good out of this situation? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we went through um, when we looked at Iran. And I always like to go back to the Bible because we're not reinventing anything. And what we're seeing today is not very different than what's happened many times before. Um, you look at the Bible and we're sitting here, how, you know, whether you're in Idaho, Chicago, LA, wherever, um, what do I know about what's going on in Iran? You just need to look at your Bible. Mm -hmm. We have the luxury. I guarantee you, you probably have more than one Bible in your home, right? Yeah. Whether it's dusty or not is up to you. But uh, the, the fact is, you look at the Bible and you see how is that related to Iran? You look at the book of Daniel. Daniel was the prime minister of Iran. Now, he was a Jew mm. who was appointed prime minister. Think mm -hmm. about that, mm -hmm. of a foreign country. Yeah. You see Joseph. Now, Joseph was not in the same kind of text. Joseph was an Israelite who became a ruler in a foreign nation. Um, not Iranian, but just the idea that how God takes people and puts them in awkward situations and then comes through for them and builds good out of it. Um, you see Esther was the queen of Persia um, and who saved her people. And so there you see Iran and that region, you know, all spread throughout the Bible. And you see, okay, Lord, you obviously had a plan for that part of the world before. Mm -hmm. You look at Nehemiah. It was the funds of the, the Persian Empire that actually paid for the rebuilding of the temple. Mm. Nehemiah, Ezra. And you're like, wow, it's amazing how God can turn things around. And as we look at the situation today, we can share a little bit about what God is doing in Iran. Yeah. But as we look at the situation today, whether you're look, watching, you know, no matter what news network you're watching, what podcast you're listening to, what, what, what you're reading, 
it's not good news. Mm -hmm. And how can we see God's plan come through this? And how can he use us to actually be his disciples, his witnesses mm -hmm. in this situation and to try and bring good? Amen. And it's interesting because we can get so down if we read the headlines and all these things and, and you can start to lose hope. Um, but then you, we're always reminded, right, what the Bible says. We have the greatest hope that exists. God is That's sovereign. It. He is in control. He is not uh, purposely making every single thing happen. There's sin in the world, but he is the redeemer. And he can work out these things for good. As you've seen in history, there's so many things in biblical history yeah. uh, that have happened in that way. And so, you know, it was interesting when I, I was so excited uh, when I met you. Well, you have a great smile and you're fun to, to be around. But other than that, it was it, I found out you're from Iran. And I'm like, wow, this is is really interesting because I was reading this article about how the church is spreading over there in such an oppressed place right now. And literally evangelists will be going to speak to somebody and God will appear to them before they show up. And then literally the person that they were going to speak to says, are you the ones that are going to share about God with me? <laughs> right and I've, I've read these things and a lot of times it, even the guys are getting killed over there and there's things happening to them so then the women pick up the baton and are going out and evangelizing and and helping run churches and it's just really remarkable god's gonna do it however he can right he is he is so this is where i love the title courageous parenting yeah so courage right that is the one thing that we need in the church today and that's the one thing that we see in the church and have seen in the church in Iran for the last 40 years. Um, there was a time where there were missionaries who were there. We had sent missionaries for years from the UK, from America. The revolution came, all the missionaries had to leave. So the national church had to stand on its foot, on its feet. Very similar in Afghanistan today. There were thousands of people there. They've all left for the most part. Mm. Some have been left behind, mm -hmm. right? But they've been leaving. Um, in Iran, what happened is this. When Khomeini came to power um, and introduced his version of what Islam is all about, the people reacted to that. Mm -hmm. And what the Christians on the ground were able to do was share the love of Jesus. It wasn't going in there and fighting and debating, but it was as believers living day-to-day -day life in a sacrificial way and in a very bold way. So now, you know, as a ministry, Elam, is involved in taking the gospel to Iran and the surrounding region. Uh, we've been doing that for many years mm -hmm. um, and doing it with different groups. Um, and the stories we could tell you, I mean, amazing stories of generally of genuine miracles that have been happening, but God using everyday ordinary people, mm -hmm. moms, dads, children, uh, who have the boldness to be able to take the scriptures, which is one of the things that we have really invested in the most and which the American church has been unbelievably mm -hmm. generous in helping us print. We're on our second millionth uh, printing, uh, taking in the gospel, sharing it, where people are then able to take that Bible uh, and put it in the hands of a total stranger, ask them if they can share something with them, typically wrapped very nicely as a mm -hmm. gift to give to people. Mm -hmm. And people will welcome it. I can tell you story upon story when somebody receives that gift, puts it, kisses it, says, I've been praying for this. I've been looking forward to this. Stories of friends who have driven out in the middle of the night, one o'clock in the morning, stopping at a red light. And the Lord says, okay, 
that's the car I want you to go give it to. Having the boldness to get out at a red light, uh, tapping on a window saying, I have a gift for you. And the guy's like, I knew I was going to get it. I didn't know when I was going to get it. I've been waiting for this gift. God told me I was going to get this gift and then taking it. It's such an amazing story because you probably are aware of this, but there's tremendous risk for that person in the car to roll, even roll his window down and give this away because he could be killed. He could be, oh. you, you know, yeah. you're not supposed to do that. You don't know who that person is. You don't know. And you're right? not supposed but, to. But you're listening to the spirit. Roll the window down. Give the red, they call them red books, right? Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Pass, pass. I wish I had one with me. It's actually this color. Yeah. Color of my, no, it's a, it's a maroon color. Yeah. I wish you, it, everybody knows it because even at the airport, yeah. when they're leaving their signs to make warning passengers leaving the country, do not bring this book back in. Well, guess what? When the government tells you not to do something, guess what you go and do? Everybody's doing it. So, <laughs> um, yeah. But no, that, that, and, um, but the boldness, having gone to jail, yeah. people have lost their lives. And we were just chatting before, you know, here in the States, it's difficult for us to understand how somebody loses their life, loses their family. We just sometimes can't understand that, but they lose their jobs. Mm -hmm. There's that economic persecution. They're totally ostracized from families. But amazingly, what happens when these folks come to know Jesus? Yeah. They can't but share. And literally, their families, by the whole families, they will bring their families to the Lord. Yeah. Because they're sharing very openly. Yeah. We get embarrassed going down the street and saying, hey, we want, you know, if somebody comes into your office, do you have your Bible on your desk or do you put it into your drawer? Mm -hmm. Do we not want to be known by that? Mm -hmm. And so, from a perspective of being courageous, yeah. courage needs to be backed by action. Yes. And that's what we're seeing there. And God is blessing and protecting through that action. And you're seeing now in Iran, actually, the largest growing church in the world. Uh, yeah. In many ways, many God is using different groups. There isn't just one group, but God is using different groups. And part of our ministry is to help equip the church. We have a lot of listeners in Australia, uh, in Canada, uh, obviously, a ton in the United States and all over the world, but uh, to our Canadian friends and Australian friends where there's lockdowns right now, where churches literally aren't allowed to meet. Yep. This perhaps could be an encouragement for you guys to meet in homes and to defy what they're saying and to have small groups and underground church could be going there. We are supposed not to forsake the meeting, right? We're supposed to continue to meet. Absolutely. And so maybe this will be encouraging to you to take action. If your family is not meeting for church yeah. and a government's telling you not to, that's not okay. That's not okay. And let's think about our brothers and sisters in Iran. They're losing their lives yeah. to do so this. So we, we, um, we went through this whole pandemic. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not here to say that you should have done this or shouldn't have done this. Uh, different places did it differently. In our church back in L.A., you know, we stayed open. Um, and I'm speaking as somebody, I don't think you even know this. I had COVID. I was in hospital twice. I was actually in ICU as well. Wow. Wow. Uh, I was in ICU. My family could come and see me. Yeah, COVID's real. Uh, yeah. And so, but we came out and we're like, you know what? We dealt with that. Mm -hmm. And for us, the meeting with the believers, I can't tell you how precious that is yeah. and how important that is. Yeah. Um, and so as we've been separated and we've been told to stay in our homes, we have to have fellowship. Yeah. We are created for fellowship. Amen. God created us for fellowship with him. And in the same way, that's how we are actually, I, I mean, you need to be in fellowship. I would encourage you to be in fellowship. Uh, and that's how 
our folks in in the country are 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 able to stay connected. Yeah. Now they're bold. Yeah. They're bold because they're meeting. They're not supposed to be meeting. Yeah. And we're able to use technology to communicate. How are you using technology? And what so are you we guys have through different uh, through different websites, to different uh, through different channels that might be used to cancel people here in the states. Mm. Are we're using to connect with people over there? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So what is used for cancellation here, we're using for connection on that side of the world. Love it. And so um, you know, just like they couldn't keep Jesus in the grave, you can't keep a good thing down. Yeah. And so we will use technology. We have to be smart. Yeah. Um, and we will use that. Yeah. So, but what is happening is it's the hunger on the receiving end, and I would just encourage you know wherever you are and. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Don't just turn the TV on or the podcast on. When that happens, when there's a few of you in the room, spend time in prayer with each other. Spend mm -hmm. time encouraging each other. Spend time getting to know each other beyond just turning on the TV and shutting it off. Mm -hmm. Because that's great that we feed our mind, but we also need to have that fellowship with each other too. Amen. And then help each other in the communities that we are through practical things. I think those times are coming too. Yeah, totally. Let's talk a little bit about what's happening in Afghanistan. Yep. Uh, you have a little bit of a bird's eye view into that. Obviously, there are more than 150 Christians left behind, as you know, some of the State Department people would say. Um, so, but what's just give us a sense for what's happening over there, and and uh, so the, the whole our focus has been on Iran, and in, as we look at Iran and the region, uh, you have similarities in language. Mm -hmm. um, and with the Dari and the Pashtu. But um, when you, you know, as we've been looking at Afghanistan since for the last 20 years, and then you look at the history of Afghanistan and the, the, the hunger of the people, there's actually so many different people groups that make it up. Uh, the situation that we've seen on television recently has been very sad. Um, I've been following things. I've had friends who've been going through, whether it's with, with the State Department or through uh, other groups that are, you know, going on the ground. They've seen the atrocities that have been taking place. Um, some we hear on the news, most of it we don't. Um, and whether we like it or not, we're out of Afghanistan now in a sense. Mm. My personal concern is that we haven't seen the worst of it. I think uh, we're gonna see things transpire and uh, we will be exploited. Uh, they will use the media to exploit it. Mm -hmm. And my heart goes out to people who are still on the ground yeah. I think it's fair to say that some people just felt the calling, and I'm not talking here about American citizens or mm. Afghans who worked with the U.S. forces to help, yeah. but there's there are believers on the ground who could have escaped, who chose to stay, Interesting. Um, who are saying, who are suffering, mm -hmm. but for them, there was that, that was their calling. I think there's many people who wanted to leave who simply could not leave, yeah. um, and that to me is it's just a travesty. Yeah. Um, that being said, we 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 serve a God of impossibilities, mm -hmm. and who takes uh, a tragedy and can make something beautiful come out of it. Yeah. Uh, we plant a seed; that seed has to die, and then it produces that fruit. Yeah. And the blood of the martyrs has always been what has propelled the church forward. Mm -hmm. We can't understand that, mm -hmm. um, but in Afghanistan today unbelievable challenges going on there's groups trying to help people get out mm -hmm. uh, uh, in very clandestine ways uh, we're supposed to be courageous right and so we have people of courage genuinely trying to help people 
uh, outside of certain parameters. Well, I know there's many veterans that are yep. still there right now trying to help people through, they're calling it the Underground Railroad, I was just reading. Yeah. And they have these interesting routes and ways to get in and try and find people and, and get them out, right? Yes. And the, right as we speak right now, it's in the news that there's six, I believe, six planes on the tarmac at the airport that are not allowed to leave that have American citizens, Christians, mm -hmm. uh, Afghans who, uh, you know, Christians and so forth that, that want to leave and they're not being allowed to leave. So it's a total blockade. It's there, There's not cooperation happening with the gas. And, and that's what's boggling to me that our State Department, that our president could believe you could actually get along with trust and the, the Taliban to, to do anything. That is wild. There, there's so much history packed into that statement. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so much you could go into. Um, well, the answer is no. Yeah. You can't. You can't. Um, that's very simple. And uh, uh, I wish we, we had your audience looking back at us right mm. now, right? And we could see their face like, I can't believe that we, we, we thought this would happen. Um, I, think, uh, I think the way we did things, whether we should or shouldn't have, and the way we did things will be studied for, for, for decades, actually. Yeah. Um, but what we know is this, is, I mean, basically, the, the administration, the White House, the State Department, these guys, it, it doesn't seem that anybody was actually talking to each other. Mm -hmm. um, but that being said, you have these folks on the ground. There are people trying to get them out. Mm -hmm. If we can't stay organized in our, in our country here, how do you think they're going to stay organized over there? So you're going to have all kinds of factions coming about, which then creates opportunities for people to do things that are creative to help people uh, access freedom, mm -hmm. which is really what this is about. Yeah. Uh, this whole concept of freedom, which we take for granted, mm. or we have taken for granted, except in the last couple of years with all now the, the mandates and controls and wear this, stand here, do this, do that. We're starting to see just a little bit of that going away. But on that side of the world in Afghanistan, when you talk about freedom, there, there is no such thing anymore. Mm -hmm. And so how do you do that? This is all access to freedom, yeah. which we are freedom-loving people yeah. understand. We see that we, are, we, 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 we value that. Mm -hmm. And we want others to have it too. And now when that is snatched out from under them, and you see now what their life is going to become if they're allowed to live, it's a different world altogether. Let's talk about freedom for a second. Okay. Um, obviously, it's a God-given um thing that we're to to be free we feel it inside yeah. ourselves that we desire to to be free to be creative to to do good things in the world to be productive um to marry to yeah. to raise yeah. family and yeah. safety and these things that we feel a desire to marry who you want right yeah yeah and we desire these things and you know countries that infringe upon human freedom all we see is destruction when that happens but what do you see happening in America? Because you have a unique perspective because you weren't born here. You know, what do you see happening uh, to the freedom here? And, and why do you think it's happening? Great question. Well, first of all, I'm, a, I'm American now. Yeah. Um, I'm not a something American. Mm -hmm. I'm American. Yeah. Um, my kids are American. Mm -hmm. uh, and to me, America has always been this, uh, this ideal of freedom. Right. Um, I've lived in countries where people are not free. I've traveled, you know, I'm a, actually, I'm a businessman. I'm in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've traveled to over 50 countries. I've uh, <clears throat> had the 
privilege of being in some places that are free and others where you're told to stand there and you will. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to be, you know, you're, you're, that freedom will be taken away. Um, and the it's so precious that so much blood has been poured for this freedom that in some ways it's just being taken away left and right from us here. Um, to me, as I look at freedom, we were ta- chatting about this earlier, you know, the, the first, like almost the first writings on human rights are in the Bible. You look at Daniel and King Cyrus was really writing that, uh, his decree on freedom and civil rights. Mm-hmm. That was a Persian king, an Iranian king writing about freedom mm. back in the book of Daniel that has then been taken and developed. And now here in the States, we have the, you know, we have this God-given right and the pursuit of freedom and happiness. Um, if we're not very careful, right? Um, I see those being eroded. Anybody looks at it, but even if you live in the States, you have all these regulations from state to state, you can see where you have more freedoms or less freedoms. Mm-hmm. But from a, from a national perspective, the way we're being attacked um, and you seeing these mandates coming down, pressures being put on corporations, the government becoming much bigger and the individual becoming much smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually have to stand up and again, be courageous. It actually starts with parenting mm-hmm. because if we're not bringing up our kids to be courageous and to be bold, mm-hmm. very soon they'll take away other things. And the things that we know we should be doing, we won't have the courage to do. And eventually that all goes away. And the only way your kids are going to learn that is if they witness it. You can't teach text, uh, courage out of a textbook. Yeah. It is them watching you endure hard things, trusting God in the process, yep. and sharing about it with your kids so they can help pray. And they're part of the process of watching God answer those prayers and come through and watching you stand in faith and walk forward in courage uh, to do what is right. And so you can't teach that any other way than by example. Yeah, but let me, uh, I, again, I, I don't know if you guys can see us, but you can hear us. The first time we met, yeah, you were leading your kids out in that field by example. And it's important for your listeners to hear that what you and Angie are saying, I think you're actually living out. Oh, thanks. Because you were out there showing them how it needs to be done. You had three of your boys out there, right? Uh, I saw that because we drove up, and this was just literally two days ago. Yeah. And you hadn't sent them out there to do something. You were showing them how to do how to get rid of these goat heads. Mm-hmm. And so who, to, 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 to the folks out there listening and who are following Isaac and Angie, from what I've seen, they practice what they preach. And I saw your kids interacting with our family the other day. I'm telling you, the most well-behaved family and oh, kids. I'm, I'm being serious. Yeah. Uh, you didn't pay me to say this, right? No. No? <laughs> uh, and so what happens is no, because people who are investing time and in listening to you need to know that this is the real deal. We have so much fake stuff out there. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm just genuinely looking at you in the face and saying, your, your family's beautiful. Thank you. Your children respectful, right? Able to sit there with discipline and engage. Your son telling me about what he wants to do, how he wants to start his business, mm-hmm. what he wants to do here, what he wants to do there. And I just, I just want to commend you. So if you're listening to this, whatever Isaac and Angie are actually sharing with you, they're actually living out. And I've seen firsthand the last couple of days, and I've heard about it from our mutual friends. I just want you to say to know oh, that. Okay? Thank you. Thank I mean you. That. And I mean that. Thank you. Well, it's been a delight to meet yeah. you and your family too. So it's been, it's been super fun. I want to take a moment and give you something for free, if you haven't got it already, is the date night one sheet. 
it is a beautiful document you can download that will have some key questions on it for your date night to just get in alignment about what's most important for your family. No matter what time of year, it's always important to recalibrate. You can get that by going to CourageousParenting.com and subscribing to our mailing list. Um, Also, you can get all of our show notes and everything at CourageousParenting.com. And I also just want to share real quick about the Parenting Mentor Program. So many families are being transformed by going through this. Uh, It's the six-week self-paced program uh, with live engagement from us and even direct interaction. So if you want to join us, uh, here's a little bit more about it. You can find out more at CourageousParenting.com. Steve and I realized that we were getting too comfortable with the world's vision of how to raise our children. What Angie and Isaac have done in creating this is literally phenomenal. This program provided awesome scripture-based teachings and just some really great practical applications. This class has just really rocked my world. It has given me a vision for not just the different things that we might focus on as parents who are trying to raise our kids biblically, like how our kids are behaving or what we're doing with discipline, but also the things of the heart. We now have a game plan to how we want to raise our children. We have so many answers to the questions that have been in our mind. It's not just these hypothetical situations or it's not just this, here's what I think you should do. It's let me show you where in scripture this is. Do your legacy a favor and yourself a favor and just do it. One of the best things that we've done this year, one of the best investments we've made this year, and I could not recommend it more. We're no longer fearing dark days ahead, but we're so excited to raise lights to be leaders for the next generation. Uh, Appreciate that. So we have these, so right now we have the Afghanistan (laughs) challenge. um, And what I understand is that they're not letting the Christian Afghans come over. They're letting only the Muslim Afghans come over. And that's Biden is is kind of controlling that. Um, I, whatever the reason is and whoever's controlling Biden, we don't need yeah. to go into that. Everybody yeah. has theories on that. That's right. But what's interesting is God is the redeemer. And so you have all these Muslims coming over. Yeah. Um, and what is the solution? What's the opportunity? Yeah. What's the harvest exactly. opportunity exactly. here? And I, I, I was so that's one of the most exciting reasons I think I brought you on is because I'm like, wow. Sometimes we get caught in the challenge, but we need to shift and go, what is God going to do here? And if we're looking for what, what God may be doing, we can be part of God's solution. That's right. Right? 100%. So the way I like to look at it, and by the way, we're sitting here, beautiful mountain scenery. We look at the landscape. Yeah. God looks beyond that at the inscape. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, reading here, can you share a scripture? In, uh, Please do. From Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Um, we see the situation happening. I don't know why this administration is letting one person in and not another. It seems that they're letting people of one faith in and trying to restrict those of another. Uh, that's between them and God, mm-hmm. right? But what I do know is we've all seen people clamoring to hold on to those planes, some of them actually falling to their death. Tragic. Um, yeah. Which just tells you about the situation. Just that one picture. In the fear of staying oh, in that country. The fear of staying. Is, so that, that's clear, right? Yeah. Um, now they come over here. You and I had no control of who comes over here. In times in our life, we are dealt things that we have no control over. Mm-hmm. But our reaction, we do have 
an ability to choose how we respond. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden we have, and by the way, this is what I love about this. It says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He's saying, I know in your own power, you may not be able to love mm -hmm. this person who comes from Samaria. The Samarians were, were other than the Jews. They were, they were different, mm -hmm. right? We have many times in scripture, you'll see how the Jewish person would not even walk through Samaria. And if he had to, or she had to, they would wipe the dust off their feet. Mm -hmm. There's people who are different than us mm -hmm. that God sometimes brings into our lives. How we respond to those people is important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we were talking earlier, <clears throat> to me, America has always been this place where people came to, had a dream to come to, mm -hmm. and they assimilated. Meaning so, they learned the language, they learned 100%. the ways of America, and they, they joined us with everybody. They joined. That's why they came And everybody here. was equal. Everybody, everybody had the equal opportunity. Yeah. In the sense that my wife is from Italy, yeah. right? Yeah. The Italians came over here, yeah. right? And... Uh, and I tease them because I, they're Italian. I say every, every Italian is named Tony because they would stamp on his forehead to New York, right? And so they'd go to New York, right? The uh, Italians would come here, but they wouldn't allow their kids to speak Italian because they wanted them to assimilate. The Poles, the Germans would come here. They would speak English. Um, I love your Ferrari example. You said, your what? The Ferrari example. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm from England, right? In yeah. England, you see somebody driving down the street with a Ferrari, you'd say lucky so-and-so yeah, right yeah uh, his dad must be rich uh -huh. his mom must be rich yeah in america you see somebody driving a fancy car or living in a big house the concept was you know what if i work hard save up i can actually go and do that myself to me that was the american way mm -hmm. um and you assimilated and then you, you you actually influenced the culture and i think people listening here you know based on my understanding of your because these are influencers who are yes. listening right now yes um, well, meaning there are a lot of incredible moms okay. and some dads. We have more moms listening than dads, but we're trying to work on that, get the dads on board. Um, but yeah, and that's and you know that that's what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. When influencers, you're influencing the next generation Absolutely. and incredibly productive people. Oh, very. No, no. And th this is where, but this is where my problem with America is, is we've become we've shifted from this melting pot, yeah, and become a salad bowl, yeah, in the sense that we're all <laughs> in the same bowl, but tomatoes don't mix with. Lettuce, lettuce doesn't mix with the, the cucumbers and this and that, right? And that to me is, is scary mm -hmm. because what happens is America was about coming together, about this freedom to be here, but then to cooperate, to collaborate and build something together. And now what we have going back to the Afghan issue, we have now, you know, we've had history of different people groups coming here and suddenly being dispersed to different locations. Mm -hmm. Yet they all stay together. And being encouraged to keep their language and not learn Absolutely. English. Look, I, I, we should be speaking English Yes, in America. I agree. Now, and this is as somebody who I speak six, seven other languages. I love languages. Amazing. Right? Uh, I'm a person of the world. I get it. Yeah. But, and learn other languages. Mm -hmm. But we need to be able to communicate. Yeah. And so now when these people come here, we can't leave it to the educational system. Right. Because they've already shown us that they can mess things up. Mm -hmm. So if the church doesn't respond with these people that are coming here, now these Afghans that are coming here, yeah. with the love of Christ, Amen. and not to say that we're better than you, but to say that this is what we believe. This is our worldview. This is why we believe what we believe. This is the things that what motivates me to serve you when you come into my community. 
I want to tell you about Jesus because he changed my life. Mm-hmm. My, my politics is informed by what I believe. Mm-hmm. The way I act in my, as an employee or as an employer to the people that I have working for me is based on my faith. Mm-hmm. It has to inform everything I do to think that we can segment things. In America, we, we don't, we, until recently, we didn't talk about God or politics. The rest of the world, there's only two things to talk about, God, God and, and politics, right? <laughs> yeah. And so... I keep what, telling everybody, <laughs> those are the most important things to talk to your kids about, yeah. and everybody else. Right? Yeah. And th- but those are the two things we just don't talk. It's, that's, you know, that's, you know, we, yeah. don't, we can't do that. Yeah. But I'm like, guys, and now people who do that, because we haven't done that, families are not getting together anymore. But this, we have to go back to this, is like, if we can't, the, the mission field is coming here now. Mm-hmm. You didn't order it, but it, it definitely landed Right on yeah. a plane here. Our southern border, also the Afghanistan, Afghanis that are coming in all different states. Look, yeah, you and I can't stop somebody coming from the southern border. Right. I'm an immigrant. Right. Uh, I came here legally. Right. Right. Uh, my wife and I came here legally. It's incredibly difficult process to go through, mm-hmm. an incredibly expensive process to go through. Um, but so I'm an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have people flowing through the borders. So we have our government not enforcing our laws, yeah. right? But when those folks are here, whoever they are, right? They have to, we have to engage. We have to engage our community. Otherwise, you put people in a corner and we're going to start seeing what happened in other countries being replicated here. Well, because the, I guarantee you, yeah. everybody who was on that plane is not a saint. Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, that's for sure. Right. What an easy way to mix in some terrorists. Uh, I mean, it's not them, rocket science. Get them across the country. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. no it's, and that's, that's, that's why I say we haven't seen what those decisions are going to impact on us. Yeah. I think we're going to be reaping those. But guess what? They're not just going to be attacking Republicans. Right. Or they're not just going to be attacking Democrats. They're going to affect Americans. So I love the concept of you know, reaching these people, but when they come over, they're all in a group at first, I believe. Right. And then at some point they're allowed to be in society. So how, what do you, and they speak a different language. So how how does that happen? How do we share the gospel? Um, so first of all, I think there's, there's different Christian organizations that are being called on right now to try and help in the places that these uh, refugees are being, uh, being held right now. Yeah. Right. Um, so if we didn't share the gospel with them over there, they're being brought here. We have to do that. We do that in a practical way. Mm-hmm. And this is where, you know, it's, you know, Jesus came. Uh, he also healed the sick mm-hmm. and he fed people. So practical. there's practical things yeah. that we have great example in Jesus. It's not just like people say, I don't want to get involved in politics. Mm-hmm. Well, no, we have to, as we read in the scriptures in Jeremiah, it says, you know, we work for the benefit of the city. Mm-hmm. We want to help. We want to pray in Galatians. We hear about praying for our leaders. Mm-hmm. But then practically, there'll be groups that you may know of and maybe you are involved with that will be able to get involved in that. We're trying to do that ourselves here Mm -hmm. with a couple of organizations to be able to offer our services. Because Farsi and Diary, there is similarities between the Persians and the Afghans um, to be able to serve them. And the fact that they can't communicate with these 5,000 people in a a holding camp Mm -hmm. at Camp Wherever, one of the tells you that they're not all translators. So just in case you were wondering. Um, But the fact that they can't be communicated with, we're trying to actually find folks who speak the language, who love Jesus, who can go in and be sharing the gospel. Wow. Um, Then what's going to happen is they're going to come to cities, Mm -hmm. right? 
And they're not going to be sent to L.A. or New York mm -hmm. or Chicago. They're probably going to end up in places like Arizona, Nevada, you know, New Mexico, places that have certain colors uh, referred to as certain colored state, right? Right. Uh, with longer term ambitions, yeah. right? Uh, that being said, they're going to come into the community and we need to be able to show the love of Christ in a practical way. You're saying kind of behind the scenes of what you're saying, I think, is let's influence future elections. I think that's what I meant to say. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> uh, for the Democrats. Yeah. yeah, I think it's so. That seems to be the case. That seems yeah. to be the playbook. Yeah, right. Um, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Yeah. However, if that was the plan, yet the person that engages with me is somebody who believes a different way and puts their faith into practice mm -hmm. and is courageous enough to to engage with a person different than their own culture, color, background, whatever, mm -hmm. right? I think that's where you get to influence. Yeah. And what will happen is, I think there's many more, I haven't seen the stats yet, but I, I believe there will be many more men based on what I saw than were women. Uh, how that's going to impact is going to be a different story. Yeah. But I think the women need to be reached. Mm -hmm. The children need to be reached. The people coming across the border, absolutely in the same way. They're not all from one country either. Right. Uh, they really aren't. Um, but are we engaging them and are we inviting them into our world as opposed to allowing them to change the world around us? So I think there is a difference. Now, on the tech side of things, you were talking about something really interesting with AI, so artificial intelligence, yeah. right? And what are you guys working on in that regard to reach this? So as, as, as a, I mean, as a ministry, we use technology yeah. uh, to communicate with children's programs, with satellite TV, with books, etc. I personally, as a businessman, I'm involved in a startup that does uh, an AI startup that is using dialectal uh, speech transcription. So when something is spoken, being able to turn it into uh, to, to script and then having that can be translated to English as well. So transcription and translation. Uh, I'm involved in that and uh, that we're actually doing in Arabic right now, but then looking at other languages as well. And that's just as a business. So the technology is there that will be used, that we'll be able to communicate with people. Um, but, and this is why I would just encourage whoever's out there, whether you're a, a mom that's taking care of your kids or a dad who is trying to come up with ideas, mm -hmm. there, you know, God, the same spirit that was there at creation when God created the world yeah. and brought clarity and then went through the process of creating things. That same Holy Spirit actually lives in us. That's what I was referring to in Acts 1. Yeah. That same creative spirit, we should be asking God, give us the ability to be creative, whether it's to start a business that can reach these people groups, whether I can do this to, to, to create some wealth that I can then invest in your kingdom, yeah. um, to help print Bibles, uh, to do whatever. It's that we, we cannot separate these things. So as a business person, I cannot say that it's more, it's the pastor who is, who's doing God's work. No, no. If you are not doing God's work as a mom in raising your kids, as a dad raising your kids, as a dad being an example, being courageous enough to lead and be the spiritual leader in your home, which is another massive issue yeah. um, that where we're seeing dads abdicate their responsibility. I'm sure you're passionate yeah. about that. Um, and we're not leading from the front. This leading from the behind nonsense, right? Is what is that? Where did this? I mean, huh? people are so passive today. It's remarkable. Dads are passive. Not all. Some of you are amazing, but a lot of dads are passive, and that's a big problem. Pastors are passive. They're not willing to talk about the hard issues. They're closing down their churches. They're caving to authority. 
you know, these kinds of things. It's this, this, there's this misunderstanding of doctrine that's happening that because God is sovereign, he's going to take care of everything and we don't need to take action. And all I hear from you is I trust God and we take action. We listen to God and we take action. And I love having you on because you're such an example. Your organization is such an example of taking action in courage despite the risks and and moving forward. And I just think we need that to rub off on more people in in America and the other countries around the world. I agree. And so I love your example. No, no, I I love it. I I, I get all my examples from the Bible. So what you just described is David, son of Jesse, had brothers who were fighting, allegedly fighting, right? He goes and takes them some stuff. His dad says, take this bread and cheese to your brothers. How does he take it? He runs. He runs. Mm-hmm. That's the obedience that this young man had. Mm-hmm. He Good goes example. there and he sees these guys looking and there's this giant, you know, ridiculing his God. And he's like, hello, what are you guys doing Why is here? nobody doing anything? Why is nobody doing anything? <laughs> now, he could have said, okay, God, take care of it. I should be doing what these guys are, these jokers are doing, right? Yeah. He's like, no, nobody's going to insult my God. Yeah. He didn't wait for God to pick, put those five stones in his pocket. No. Give him the slingshot. No, he was ready. He was ready. And he had a bias for action. And I think that's what's missing in the church. His faith was ready. That's what's was ready. What is it? Before, Before Goliath was there, yeah. his faith, his trust, his relationship with God was so close. He'd seen God because he was taking steps and courage yeah. beyond his own strength yeah. and protecting and taking out a lion or whatever he was doing. Whatever he was doing. And he'd already been living that faith of God's going to take care of me. God's going to show up and and he's going to provide and all these things. So then when Goliath was there, he's already ready. Oh, he was ready. No, he was ready that, to go. That, and we need to be ready. That we need to be ready. No, no, I, I see. I love your passion because that to me is what this is about. And we're expecting God to do stuff. God's like, dude, <laughs> I gave it to you. I put you in that job so you could reach this person. That's right. I gave you these kids so you could be an example. Yeah. I think one of the things to the dads, and but I think one of the biggest things that we're dealing with is busyness. Mm-hmm. It's the curse of busyness. And I was, we was saying before, the biggest fallacy, a slower day is coming. We're sitting here thinking, you know what? Well, wait, I'll do this when I do this and do this and then I'll give time. No, God has put that battle for you today. So fight that. And it doesn't have to be a giant. Oh, that's like the dad, which I've been this person before. Oh, I will spend more time with my kids once I conquer this thing, because then I'll have more money and I can create more freedom for my family and provide and all these things. And then that moment comes and you're already in a rhythm and things get more busy. It never arrives. It never never arrives. So we just need to be intentional, diligent to the jurisdictions God has given us right now. First and foremost, our families and whatever else God has called us to do. And there's no better way to influence people around than doing things with your family. Yeah. Right? When you engage your kids. I mean, that's one of the biggest struggles I have. I mean, I still remember my first pair of Adidas soccer cleats. Right? Until that, I was about 13 or 14. All my friends had these fancy shoes. I had these shoes that, you know, were embarrassing, had holes in the bottom, kind of canvas. And I still remember that. Right? We want to give our kids everything, but we're actually hurting them by doing that. And rather than being that example to them and giving them the tools to fight the battles that we know are coming down the road. Yeah. Today, we, you know, we're talking about Afghanistan. We're talking about the people that are coming here, how our world is changing. We're talking about the Paul. But actually, it starts in the home. Yeah. And I think if as fathers, we cannot be the example. If I cannot look my kids in the face and say, 
follow my lead, then I need to be getting down on my knees and asking God for forgiveness, yeah. asking for his grace and for the courage to be able to confront the things in my life that are not right. Yeah. And then as a parent, as, as, as a couple, being that example, how do you teach your boys? We have three boys, so I don't have daughters. Mm -hmm. How do I teach my boys to take and respect their mom mm -hmm. so that one day they will respect their wives mm -hmm. and to serve in a mm -hmm. sacrificial way that is just how Christ died for us. Amen. I mean, and that's really what we're talking about is being able to share these things with people here in another world. That's kind of like the other parts of the world, but we have to do it in our own Jerusalem. If I don't do it at home, yeah. how can I share it with an Afghan family who moves down the street? Right. I'm not going to be able to do it because yeah. they will look at me and say, your life doesn't match up with your words. Right. And that's, you know, a lot of times they look at us as a nation saying, you say you're a Christian nation, but look at what you're doing. Yeah. And so I think, uh, no, you're spot on. It takes courage, dude. Well, any final encouragement or actions uh, you want to ask people to take? I would say, first of all, this has been fun. Yes. <laughs> this has been super fun. fun. Did you, you should tell your how I showed up for this wearing my mask. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He was messing with me. He uh, we're in the little courageous parenting headquarters, the little studio. It's like three hundred square feet on this land, you know. And he comes up wearing a mask, and I'm just like, I instantly knew you were making fun of me. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. This has been great. This is, um, I would say, from a ministry perspective. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to learn, uh, the audience wants to learn about Elam Ministries, yeah. they can go to elam.com, E-L-A-M.com, to see many of the different things that we're doing in, in the States, in other parts of the world. And, you know, some of the biggest churches in America are supporting the, the organization, different mission agencies, different uh, foundations, and we truly appreciate that. The focus right now is in getting scriptures into the hands of people. So there'll be some stuff they can look at there and educate a little bit more. When it comes to the issue of Afghanistan, there's challenges. We're, we haven't seen the worst of it yet. Yeah, I think I'm scared uh, in a sense that of what we're going to see mm -hmm. um, happen. I grew up with the Iran hostage crisis. I see all of this replicating itself. I see things going on TV. And the fact is, though, sadly, you touched on this earlier, we are so apathetic as a nation right now. I think it may take us seeing things on television screens in our living rooms that we would dread to see mm -hmm. until we wake up to actually what's actually happened is going to transpire as a result of the decisions in the recent past few weeks. Mm -hmm. That being said, I think there's the other side of it, and that is the opportunity that's being placed in our laps or the challenge to share God's love. And you don't need to wait for an Afghan family to show up on your doorstep. Mm -hmm. You have people from all over the world. Um, <clears throat> they might be from the Middle East. They might be from other places in your community. You might have people from, you know, parts of Africa, parts of Asia. Um, and, and then we have our own, you know, local Americans. I mean, in LA, we have thousands and thousands of homeless people on the streets. Mm -hmm. This is the United States of America. And we have a homeless pandemic, mm -hmm. the likes of which are I don't see in other parts of the world. So I would say we need to engage in society. I think our pastors need to preach with a Bible in one hand, 
but also a newspaper in another. Amen. In the sense that, Amen. guys, engage engage the culture. Yeah. If you don't engage the culture, the culture is going to take over you, mm-hmm. and you are going to be not only irrelevant, mm-hmm. but nobody's going to care. Yeah. And I think pastors need to develop a boldness to speak up. And then finally, I think so. You know, just and then, really, when it comes down, bringing it back to the the. The family, mm-hmm. whether you're a family in Irvine, California, mm-hmm. whether you're a family in, you know, Wichita, Kansas, or, you know, Calgary, Canada. What kind of an example are you as as a father? Are you an example that your kids that you want your kids to follow? Um, are you the husband that your wife needs? Mm-hmm. Um, and it all starts by getting on our knees. I have messed up badly in my life, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm not the perfect dad. I'm not the perfect husband, you know, you know, and we've all, we all have fallen short, but God's grace is there for us. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know Jesus, you know, he wants to get to know you. Yeah. Um, He, he, even though we have taken the gospel to the rest of the world, it's funny now how people in America are finding Jesus through, through other people from different nationalities. Yeah. People are coming here to evangelize Americans. And they're coming here to evangelize us. Yeah. So, you know, God has a plan for you. And that's the exciting thing. When, when, when you get a glimpse of what it is and you start to have purpose and meaning in your life outside of what you do to put food on the table, mm-hmm. that's when, you know, you, you, you will be able to live a life full of joy. And then you'll have the courage to go after things that are truly meaningful, purposeful and worthwhile. And I just want to encourage you moms listening that what you're doing with your kids is the most important Absolutely. thing. And it's there's seasons. And right now, if you have young kids at home, it might be a season where that is your main focus and your way to contribute is to pray. Yeah. And there's different yeah. seasons to do different yeah. things. And so, yeah. um, but just be encouraged that raising up your kids Absolutely. to love God, glorify God with their lives and be part of the solution yeah. um, for more people yeah. knowing him is, is a big deal. I, I've told you this. I, I, I would love to me. I think the moms in America are one of the most powerful forces on the planet. Yes. A lot of the moms who have actually many of them been in the workforce have chosen to stay home and invest in their children. Yeah. Man, I'm just telling you what a mom can do in two hours will take a dad ten. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> They're so productive. It's awesome. All right. Thanks for joining us and thanks for being here, Andrew. This oh, was a delight. You. This was really good. Yeah, blessings. Enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Yes. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. For more resources, go to Courageous Parenting and CourageousMom.com for free online workshops, blog posts, and best-selling courses. Also, we wanted to quickly tell you about our six-week online parenting mentor program. Isaac and I created a powerful biblical curriculum. Here's how it works. Each week, we release a video with a downloadable parenting packet to make it easy for you to incorporate those teachings directly into your parenting. This is an incredible self-paced program where we cover everything from obedience training to overcoming mistakes most Christians are making. But more than that, it's a supportive community. You'll have access to our private online group, live webcasts, and the Courageous Parenting text message line where Angie and I can send you weekly encouragements straight to your phone. If you're interested in joining our next online parenting mentor program, secure your spot now at CourageousParenting.com. That's CourageousParenting.com.